Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for You decide which way you want this to go. I'm like, whoa, really? I was just stripping gold off your temple doors. Now you're letting me call some shots. That's amazing. So it's easy for the sun to go forward. You know, when we came in here early this morning, the sun was casting a shadow right over where y'all are at, and I knew it was going to go away because that's, that's the way it goes. But what if it went the other way? It's easy for it to go the way we expect it because it's going to do that on its own anyway. But what about going the other direction? So Hezekiah decided to choose the most seemingly impossible sign imaginable for the shadow to go backwards about 10 degrees on the sundial that his father Ahaz had built. (laughs) Let's see how this works out. (laughs) He wanted some real assurance here. What this means for the sundial, the shadow to go the other way. This means that the entire earth would have actually had to stop rotating on its axis, and then start going in the opposite direction. The whole world. Some people saw it as a localized miracle. No, I think it was the whole world did it. The shadow stopped and went back 10 degrees. Now, the science community would say this is absolutely impossible. Because, you know, if you're in a car and it suddenly stops, everybody goes forward. They say if the earth was to stop, all the oceans would make tidal waves and wash over everything. Earthquakes, buildings falling over and all that stuff. Everybody would crash into each other. But friends, the earth is the Lord God's creation. He made it. He put it in motion. He can stop it if he wants to. He can turn it the other way if he wants to. And he has the power to hold everything on it in place and just do whatever he wants to do. So I'm sure the Lord could stop and reverse the earth's spin while holding everything together just fine. And that is an easy thing for God to do. Now look at your own difficulties and go, wow, okay, God, if you could do that. But I'm not sure how much time 10 degrees actually comes out to, but I started thinking about it mathematically. If a sundial has 360 degrees of a full circle on a sundial, then I think 15 degrees would make up about one hour. So 10 degrees would end up maybe around uh, 40 minutes, my best guess. So for the sun to fall back 40 minutes, then it has to turn back and make up for that lost 40 minutes. What you would end up with is a day that was 80 minutes longer than the typical 24-hour day. They had a day that was almost an hour and a half longer than it should have been. And the whole world's watching this. Senate Cherub already publicized it by conquering all these nations. Now everybody's just dying to watch him go down. He's in front of Jerusalem. The whole world's waiting to see him fall. And all of a sudden the sun goes back and you get an 80-minute extra day. Something's going on in Jerusalem. And the whole world is watching to see who's this God in Jerusalem. What's he going to do? God is glorifying himself. Amen. 
Um, I'm thinking after the 80 minute difference, maybe God sped the earth up a little bit to make up for the 80 minutes that was lost where the next day was right on time. I don't know. Uh, Just whatever. It's whether you believe in this or not, the Bible does say that it happened. And so I believe it happened. And this miracle was hardly less than that time when God made the sun stand still the whole world stopped turning for a whole day that time uh, when Israel needed enough light to fight against their enemies in Joshua chapter 10. This ain't nothing new for God. This is actually an easy one compared to the whole day he stopped it. Okay. <laughs> and this is amazing stuff. So the sign was given despite how fiercely the science community demands that it could not possibly happen. Which is kind of odd since, you know, when you think about it, the science community says that all of this just poof came out of nowhere. <laughs> uh, I, no, God made it. You need to know who the God of Israel is and what he can do. Hezekiah was granted the sign and he was healed of his sickness and he was given an extra 15 years. He has time to get Jerusalem through this Assyrian threat, just like God's word promised that he would do. 2 Kings 20 and 12. At that time, Barodak Baladan, the son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent letters and a present to Hezekiah, for he heard that Hezekiah had been sick. And Hezekiah was attentive to them and showed them all the house of his treasures, the silver and gold, the spices and precious ointment and all his armory and all that was found among his treasures. There was nothing in his house, or in all his dominion that Hezekiah did not show them. And my first thought is this is not a good move. So this king of Babylon, though, he also had trouble with the Assyrians. And 2 Chronicles chapter 32 is kind of a parallel story to kings here. It says that when this king heard that Hezekiah had been spared from the Assyrian attack, he wanted to know how he did it. So he sent this embassy to find out how did you beat these Assyrians? I want to know. So he sent this gift when Hezekiah was sick, partly to gain Hezekiah's favor for his own defense. Again, I would have never made a move like this because it just doesn't seem right to, you know, let everybody come in and check out everything you have. So I tried to find some kind of a logical, if not military reason, why Hezekiah even wanted to show him everything in the first place. And I think that when you consider how Babylon at that time, it was Judah's ally, Maybe Hezekiah thought he did the right thing by showing them everything because he wanted Babylon to know how capable Judah was. Look at all the things we have. You want assurance? Look at our money. Who got Hezekiah out of the Assyrian threat? The Lord God did. So what's Hezekiah doing now? He's saying, look at all the stuff we have. That's how we did it. That's how we got out of this Assyrian mess. We've got riches, we have armory, we have military. That's how we did it. So you and our help, we are very well capable of helping you out. You see what Hezekiah just did after the Lord defended him from the Assyrians? So 2 Kings 20 verse 14, then Isaiah the prophet went to King Hezekiah and said to him, what did these men say and from where did they come to you? So Hezekiah said, they came from a far country from Babylon. And he said, what have they seen in your house? So Hezekiah answered, they have seen all that is in my house. There is nothing among my treasures that I have not shown them. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, 
Hear the word of the Lord. Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and what your fathers have accumulated until this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord. And they shall take away some of your sons who will descend from you, whom you will beget. And they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. You can tell Hezekiah had no idea that he had done anything wrong because he didn't hide anything. I mean, he told Isaiah what he did. He said, yeah, I showed him everything. He didn't realize he messed up. Again, I would not have done this, but in Hezekiah's mind, he didn't see anything wrong with what he did. The problem with Hezekiah here, the reason why he didn't see what he did wrong is because he got proud. Look at my money. Look at my stuff. What about the Lord anymore? American friends, have you ever done this? God has blessed your socks off. And you look at your bank account and you go, yeah. You ever done that? I have. Don't look at Hezekiah and go, hmm, we've done it. And when people go, how do you have such joy in your life? Well, look at this bank account. You ever done that? He was proud. And typically proud people don't even know what they're doing. They're messing up. They don't even know it's wrong. I have a passage that sums this up very well from 2 Chronicles 32 and 24. It says, In those days Hezekiah was sick and near death, and he prayed to the Lord, and he spoke to him and gave him a sign. But Hezekiah did not repay according to the favor shown him, for his heart was lifted up. Therefore wrath was looming over him and over Judah and Jerusalem. There it is. Ties it up just nice. So what was Hezekiah's real offense here? Well, remember before he stripped the gold off the temple to buy the Assyrians off, Hezekiah, he had just been given the perfect opportunity to show these foreign Babylonians how they survived the Assyrian threat. It was just laid out for him to say, our God did this. He had an opportunity to tell them it was the Lord that had delivered them but he showed them all their money. Blew it. Blew it. Wasted that opportunity that he was given. So Hezekiah not only denied the Lord, but he wasted a wonderful opportunity to share the Lord God with people that did not know him. Christian, get a hold of this story. We are supposed to share what the Lord God has done for us to people that don't know Him. That's what we're supposed to do. Don't blow those opportunities. And to think that Hezekiah snubbed the Lord after the Lord had spared his life. Christian, has the Lord spared your life? Are you really giving God credit and glory for the things you have in your life when unbelievers ask? Or have you wasted every opportunity? or most of them. I think we can understand now why as Isaiah had to warn him about God's future judgment, because this kind of stuff really makes God mad. Let me ask you, have you ever helped somebody in great need? They needed help and you bent over backwards helping them. And they took that help and then they just run off and treat you like you never did anything. Now you know how God felt here. I'm sure this happened to you before, and God certainly has it happened to him all the time. 
2 Kings 20 and 19. So Hezekiah said to Isaiah, the word of the Lord which you have spoken is good. For he said, will there not be peace and truth at least in my days? I think Hezekiah just realized that he did wrong. That he had the great opportunity to glorify the Lord in front of the Babylonians, but he glorified himself and his money instead. But look at how his repentance here, it suddenly has him praying again according to what the Lord God had promised him. Because now he expressed how grateful he was for the peace and truth that God promised to give him during his lifetime. All of a sudden, he did another quick turnaround, another big journey. Look at all our money. That's what got us out. Now he realizes I messed up. He repented and he said, the Lord has promised me great things. I can just hear it in his tone. The Lord promised me great things. I could have said something and I didn't. I think he gets it. I know exactly how Hezekiah feels. I've done this myself. So now Hezekiah, he's firing on all cylinders now. He is now praying according to the promises of God again. 2 Kings 20, verse 20. Now the rest of the acts of Hezekiah, all his might, and how he made a pool and a tunnel and brought water into the city, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Judah? So Hezekiah rested with his fathers, then Manasseh, his son, reigned in his place. And Manasseh is going to be one piece of work, I'll tell you. That was Hezekiah's time. What an incredible story. But he, Hezekiah had a concern for Jerusalem. So if an enemy like the Assyrians had come in to attack Jerusalem, the first thing that they do, their military strategy, is to cut off their water supply. If we can't get them out, we'll thirst them out. Now Jerusalem had access to their nearest spring, And this spring was outside the city walls. So what Hezekiah did is he had a tunnel secretly cut out underground in order to bring water from this spring. It would come underground underneath the city wall and get it into Jerusalem. Now this tunnel, this water tunnel, it went and it dumped out into a pool inside the city walls so that the people could have easy access to water. I have been through that tunnel. I just love coming to something in the Bible where I have actually been there. And there's still water in in the tunnel. There was drippity places and Anna took the wet side. I didn't want to have wet pants all day, so I took the dry side. Anna said it got scary and dark. But this tunnel is interesting. It was dug by by two separate teams from opposite ends. It's 1,800 feet long. And they started from opposite ends and they started digging this tunnel underground And they met exactly at the same place to complete the tunnel. What an amazing feat of engineering to pull that off. I don't know how they did it, except the Lord God said, I'm protecting Jerusalem, and he enabled them to do it. Hezekiah's tunnel dumps out at the pool of Siloam. That's where Jesus told the blind man to go and wash out his eyes in John chapter 9. You could say a picture of this blind man's healing is the same as what Hezekiah tried to do uh, for Jerusalem that whatever the enemy wanted to steal from this man, the Lord made a new way to restore it back and preserve his life. I could make a whole sermon out of that alone. So here's Hezekiah, a man that had trouble. He'd made the mistake of trying to fix it his own way. And that is exactly where you make things 50 times worse. He's trying to fix it your own way without asking the Lord God for help first. But when he realized that his way did not work, he prayed according to God's promises, and God 
answered him. If you feel like you're about to fail and everything's about to come undone, and if you know God's will for your life, and if that is in contradiction with what God has told you, you pray according to God's will. Stop believing what the world tells you. Oh, we're all going to die. All the news, oh, everything's getting so terrible. You should be so scared. Friends, God did not give us a spirit of fear. I say, if that news gets under your skin, turn it off. Read the Bible. So even after all this, Hezekiah's mistake and God answered him, even after all that, Hezekiah fell right off the wagon again and he ran right back to fixing it his own way. And he showed the Babylonians, look what saved us. And yet even through all of Hezekiah's flaws, even though God knew he was going to do this before he did it, the Lord God still kept his promise of an extra 15 years of life. Even though he knew Hezekiah was going to mess up, he still gave him life. Why? Because God loves him and because Hezekiah had faith. Same for you. God loves you and if you have faith, he will be patient with you. Aren't you glad that the Lord God rewards sinners like us for our faithfulness. Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please God, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So Hezekiah diligently looked for the Lord. Now, I know he messed up big time. And a lot of people want to point at him and go, Whoa, no, wait a minute, Hezekiah, you messed up. Well, friends, so have you and so have I. We've all messed up. But that did not change the fact that he trusted in the Lord still across his life. If Hezekiah had not truly been faithful, then he would have rejected Isaiah's warning. By faith, he received what God said. Hezekiah had his flaws. Good gosh, look at me for two seconds. You'll see mine. Hezekiah had his flaws. But for the most part through his life, he trusted in the Lord and he was rewarded with answered prayer. I think the most powerful part of this entire story is how the Lord granted Hezekiah extra life, even though he knew beforehand that he would deny him later. Jesus granted Peter eternal life, even though he knew beforehand that Peter would deny him before men three times. Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Okay, a lot of people take a verse like this to mean that if you deny Jesus ever, then you lose your salvation. Now, I've had people leave and quit this church because they think that when I preach sealed salvation, they think it means I'm condoning a sin license. That is absolutely not the case. All I'm saying is when God binds a promise on someone with covenant, he keeps it. And he says, I do it for my sake and because I promise, like he said for Jerusalem. God said, I will protect Jerusalem for my sake and because I promise David. It's not dependent on you. It's just dependent for you to receive it by faith. But once that covenant is bound, it's there. Oh good, let's go sin all we want to. Absolutely not. Give me a minute. Don't blow out. I've had people quit this church over this kind of doctrine, but let me explain. God does not retract sealed promises. I said sealed promises. There are promises that are conditional. 
Okay, I understand that. But sealed promises, if God retracted sealed promises, then that would make God a liar. But this passage does say that if your behavior is proven and dead set persistence in denying God to the point that you have not received his covenant promise of salvation, then yes, he will deny you. But that is an across the board rejection. Like, uh, what was the other king? Ahaz and these other bad kings, they wouldn't have anything to do with him. That is a deliberate across the board rejection. Yeah, he'll deny you for that. But Jesus will not go back on the promise of salvation that he has given to his faithful people just because of a failure or just because of a mistake. God has blessed you, I know. And you all, if you look at your money and go, ha that's what did it. And we do it at times. God's not going to go, oh, you're not saved anymore because you, you denied me that one little time. He's not going to do that. But he is going to shake you up a little bit and say, hey, get back on course. He did it to Hezekiah. God already knew that Hezekiah was going to deny him before he granted him that extra 15 years, but he still gave it to him anyway. And friends, God already knew that you and I were sinners long before he offered us eternal life. And so once you have his covenant promise bound upon you, sin will not revoke God's promises for you. However, here's where I obliterate the sin license, okay? So don't nobody jump off with a vein sticking out of your head. We did see today that even the sins of a person under promise will bring God's judgment. Because Isaiah said, judgment's coming. And, And Hezekiah goes, I know. I know. He realized he messed up. Sin does not break a sealed covenant, but it always brings consequences that are designed to get you back in line with his will again. Like I always say, you can choose your own sins, but you never get to choose the consequences that come in with it. You remember David's life, a man under covenant? But man, did David sin like crazy? Murder and adultery, all that stuff? And look at all the trouble that it brought to David. It was a mess for years. But sin does not and cannot invalidate God's promises. And I will always maintain that even the sins of a saved person will provoke God's wrath. You start thinking, I'm saved, I can do what I want. You're asking for judgment trouble. So don't play the sin license card on me, man. I feel like I've blown that one out of the water good enough. We've got to understand that even Christian believers who are marked with the Holy Spirit of promise, we provoke God's wrath when we are given the opportunity to tell unbelievers who our God is and where our blessings come from. But if we end up crediting our money instead... Or something else, you start getting prideful, you just wasted a grand opportunity to tell unbelievers who your God is. If somebody comes to you like the Babylonians came to Judah to say, hey, I've got this huge problem, man, and I need help with it. How did you get through this? Do not tell them, well, I have this money and I have this awesome position. Don't give the money the glory. You tell them how the Lord God has blessed you and glorify the Lord God to foreigners who need to understand who God is. Hezekiah was a man who was faced with the impossible situation of being surrounded by the Assyrian army. There seemed to be no way out, but he did do the right thing. Despite his flaws and his mistakes, he did pray to the Lord God and God answered
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.